Hi guys, and welcome to another special episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with me, your host, Crystal. I also have my wonderful co-host, the one and only Roxy the Kitty, who adds in her comments here and there, depending on the topic. So on this podcast, we talk about my life, my favorite horror movie of the week that you guys pick, also mental health pertaining to horror, and anything else horror. So thank you so much for being here. I upload a new podcast every other Monday, and I also challenge all of you listening to leave me an iTunes review. It not only makes my days better, it also helps other horror fans find me. You can also find me on the socials on Twitter at HorrorDaddiesRS, Instagram and Tumblr at HorrorNightsInPodcast. I also have a slasher and a TikTok on HorrorNightsIn, and I also have a YouTube channel at HorrorNightsIn, so be sure to follow me on there for all the latest HorrorNightsIn news. So disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist. I simply wish to take the stigma out of mental health. I am always here to listen and also share my own stories. Remember, you are never alone if you struggle with your mental health. And if things get too dark, there is help. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline can be easily reached at 1-800-273-8255. It is available 24-7 and is free and provides confidential support for anyone distressed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Horror Nights in Podcast. Scary movies. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Here's Johnny. You're gonna need a bigger boat. The boogeyman is real. So on Twitter, I opened up my DMs to anyone who wanted to guest host on Horror Nights In, and I got a ton of messages. So thank you so much for that. But today, I have a really special guest. His name is Ian. He is the creator and main host of the podcast Behind the Screams. So fun fact for you, Ian, is your first episode of your podcast actually uh, went live on iTunes on my birthday last year, November 13th. Um, and you did Halloween, which is one of my top three favorite horror films ever. Um, and since then, you've done a ton of other other favorite horror films like Ghost Ship, Silent Hill, and Sinister. So first, I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and we can get into the list of questions that Ian actually put together. Because as you know from the title, we're going to be doing the uh, cult classic, in my opinion, Terrifier. And as I've said many times in the past, this show is just as much as it is mine as it is yours. So Ian, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. Okay, so this is another really cool fun fact. Ian, you are the first um, international podcaster I have ever had on my show. So tell the people where you're from. (laughs) I I, I am from Aberdeen, Scotland. Scotland! How freaking cool is that, guys? So right now, currently, when we're recording this episode, it's 4 p.m. there, and it's about 9 p.m. there. So it's actually really cool that... Because I was afraid the time difference is going to be so huge, so I'm glad that it's not. Um... So Ian, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited. Um, So I'm going to ask you like four or five questions and then we're going to get into the questions that you have for me about the film Terrifier. So my first question for you, Ian, is what made you want to start your podcast? So basically, uh, podcasts and uh, horror movies have always been a massive passion of mine. I watched my very first horror movie when I was six years old, I watched uh, the movie Scream. When I was six years old, that was the very first horror movie I ever watched. And ever since then, I have been completely obsessed with horror movies. And I probably watch about three horror movies a day. Wow. <laughs> I've done that quite religiously for the last few years. So obviously, I listen to a whole host of other horror movie podcasts out there. And one day, I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to pick up a microphone and I'm just going to see how it goes. Wow, six years old. See, I was eight years old when I first watched my horror film, and I thought, or the first horror film that I've ever seen, I thought I was young, but six is definitely... What was the one that you watched? What was it called? Uh, it, it was Scream. Oh, Scream, Scream. Okay, oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> um, absolutely terrified. <laughs> oh, I love Scream. That's such a good That's such a good starter, though. My starter for the first horror film I ever saw was Candyman, and I was so afraid of mirrors and bees for a very long time. So I'm excited to see what they're going to do with the remake. Um, 
So my next question is, do you think that different countries view horror differently? Like, how do you think an American is different from us, from somebody from Scotland who, who watches a horror film? I definitely think there is uh, massive cultural differences, obviously, with the country, uh, within the country. So I think over here in the UK and in Scotland, we like sort of quite a, a nitty gritty sort of horror movie, something that's a little bit dirty, Whereas I think sometimes, especially in things like the slasher genre and things, it can be a little bit more clean cut over in the States. I think there is definitely differences there. And you can see massive differences not between, not just between the US and the UK, but you know, throughout Europe as well. You've got obviously a very Japanese style of horror, yeah. you know, you've got a very sort of like German style of horror as well. So there's definitely massive differences between the two. I do think here in the UK we do like things a little bit low budget and a little bit sort of dirty and nitty gritty. Okay, interesting. So do you think the United States has like a good mix of the way that we like we don't have one particular kind of horror, I guess, because that's true. If you think of Japanese horror, you kind of think of like girls with mat or girls that are like, you know, ghosts and they have like the long hair. I really feel like that's super popular over in Asia. So do you think that the United States or has a a good enough mix <laughs> for everybody? <laughs> No, definitely. There's definitely a huge variety of movies that, that come from the United States. I think it also just comes with the fact that it's such a massive country. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's true. There's obviously going to be such a huge you know, variety of people there in different styles. And, but yeah, definitely. There's definitely a massive mix from one end of the spectrum to the other. So do you think Scotland has its own kind of horror that it likes to make? Is it that, you know, really gritty, grimy horror? Or is it also kind of like the United States where we have like a collection of like everything? So there's not, there's not a huge amount that's like very well known that has come out of Scotland in terms yeah. of our own style of horror. A lot of the UK horror does tend to come from down south in England and places like that. We do have a couple of horror movies that, you know, that are set in Scotland. So you've got things like Dog Soldiers that's set in Scotland and has a lot of British actors in it. So I think that's the sort of general style that we tend to go for. But we are also, you know, quite like the US. We have a similar, I think we have similar tastes, but our own style when it comes to making is slightly different. Okay, interesting, interesting school. So you are the, um, like the sole host of the podcast, but you, I've seen, I've listened to a couple of them and sometimes you have Dave, sometimes you have your other co-host. Um, so do you prefer by yourself or do you prefer with other people? Because I feel like I'm the same way too. Like from the beginning, the like 90% of my podcast, I do by myself. Um, so which one would you prefer? What do you think? So, so when I first started the podcast, my, my initial ideas was that I was going to have three or four different people that I would sort of rotate week to week and always have someone else on me. So when I first started the podcast, it was never my intention to do the podcast on my own. I always find it that it's a lot easier for me as, as, a, as a creator to have someone else to bounce off of. Um, some people, you know, like I've listened to quite a few of your episodes now as well, and you do a great job on your own. You do a great job with other people. I always find it quite difficult on my own to mm -hmm. make something. Oh no, I agree. I agree. So I always prefer to have someone else on. I agree. So I think, well, right now I enjoy having people on the show because I feel like for a long time it was just my voice I was listening to in my opinions. So I really, and I feel like it's cool to have different opinions and different views of things. Cause even when I had the, my last guest on, um, I was able to point things out that he didn't really know, obviously from male to female, older, younger generations. Um, so I agree. It is difficult on your own. And when I first started, I just was like, oh, whatever, I'll just do it by myself. But as I've continued down the road of podcasting, I do like having the guests on because like I said, everybody has a different opinion and everybody has a different perspective on a film. So that's why I'm really excited about the one that we're about to do. Um, so the next question I have for you is what is your favorite horror movie? Okay, so you're probably going to quite like this answer. My favorite horror movie of all time is 1978, Halloween. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's the same as Nick's. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. As you said, it was the very first episode we ever did on my show. 
And that's the reason why, because it is my favourite horror movie of all time, and I wanted to start off with something that I love. So Halloween is my favourite awesome. horror movie of so all time. Awesome. So that's funny. You're now the second person that I've asked that is just straight away tells me exactly the film that they like, and is, you know, because sometimes when I interview other people that do podcasts, they're like, oh, I don't know, like it's choosing between a child, and I'm like, <laughs> but for me, I feel like it's, for me, it's always, it always rotates, so that's, that's awesome that it is that one. I love Halloween, so. Um, I should have figured that out because it was the first episode. But sometimes, you know, you when you first do podcasting, you want to do like the maybe the more popular mainstream ones before you delve into. Because sometimes, um, at least a lot of people that I've interviewed, they have always said pretty common names for horror films. I think for me, for a long time, it was House of a Thousand Corpses. And a lot of horror fans feel, I feel like it's a divide between the two of them. But it, it changes from Halloween back to Scream. Like right now it's Scream. I just did a podcast with another, with a, I was just guesting on a podcast and we did Scream. So I had to watch every single one of them. So I just feel like it changes. But that's cool. Halloween, Michael Myers, all the way for sure. Um, so as I explained, and as my listeners know, um, I uh, talk about a lot of mental health um, within horror genres. So do you think that horror is good or bad for someone who deals with mental health? Uh, horror is absolutely, I think, amazing for helping out with pe for people with mental health issues. I myself am a person who has dealt with my own mental health issues over the years. Horror is a fantastic escape. It is just a perfect opportunity for people to just switch off from their own world for you know an hour and a half to two hours and just delve into this complete fantasy world and just you know for try and forget about their issues for, for so long. You know, you find characters that you relate to, you find iconic people from heroes to villains that you just love and it's people that you can really sort of grab onto and gravitate to and it gives people a passion um mm. you know if you like a certain thing you can you can look into you know uh, a franchise or a subgenre or a wider genre or a different style and a director and there's so many different ways you can go with horror movies so it's i yeah. think it's a really really good tool for people with mental health issues. Yeah, I think that's a great point about just sort of if you're going through anything, especially now with all of the shit that's going on in the world, um, just being able to switch it off for a little while because, and I said this, I've said this in lots of other podcasts, I really feel like the horror genre is the only genre that I can watch and really not be distracted by anything else because I feel like if I watch another genre of a film, I feel like, eh, I'm going to go, you know do the dishes or I'm gonna go like check my phone or I'm gonna go like go on something else and I really feel like horror is the only one where my eyes are just on the screen the entire time so I absolutely agree with you on that so thank you Ian for those answers so now we're gonna get into the questions that Ian sent me about the film Terrifier so just a quick summary of this film is that on Halloween night uh, Tara Hayes finds herself as the obsession of a sadistic murderer known as Art the Clown and this was actually the first time, Ian, that I watched this film the entire way through. And I'm going to tell you a really funny story. So for my 30th birthday, almost two years ago, um, a couple of me and my friends, we went to Colorado because I wanted to go to the Stanley Hotel where Stephen King wrote, um, you know, for The Shining. And I wanted to go there. And on the way back, on the plane ride back, um, I watched Terrifier and it got to the one scene, the first kill, the whole movie. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot watch this here. I'm on a plane. So I was like, I was like, I'm going to save this for later. And then I never revisited it again because, you know, life happens and all that stuff. So the first time I watched this halfway through, I was on a plane from Colorado back to New York. And, um, and then yesterday was the first time I actually finished it. So I am excited to talk about this film. Um, so you, as I said before, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask the questions, but then I'm gonna ask you if you want me to go first or if you wanna go first. So Ian sent me five, five, six questions. Um, and the first question he had, which is similar to Nick's about Michael Myers, which I think is a great question, is do you think Art the Clown is supernatural throughout the movie? So, Ian, you can go first, or I can go first. Totally up to you, your call. Uh, I can go first, that's okay. fine. Um, so, um, this isn't the first movie that Art the Clown has featured in. 
Uh, he has previously featured as a character in the movie All Hallows Eve, which is like an antho- kind of like an anthology style mm-hmm. movie, um, where he plays sort of main killer in these little segments. So we we know in that movie that he, there is some form of supernatural ability from him. However, if you're looking at this film individually, because there's no real tie-in between All Hallows Eve and Terrifier, aside from Art the Clown, there is no overarching storyline between the two. So if you're taking it from this movie alone, there is no indication that he is supernatural or not. Uh, The things that he does throughout this movie are things that any human being are capable of doing right up until the very end. Uh, So when it gets to the very end, and spoiler, obviously, he he comes back to life Mm -hmm. at the very last scene of the movie, uh, it's definitely a shock. I think it's definitely a shock for people who haven't seen or heard of All Hallows Eve as well. So I, I know that he is supernatural, uh, but if you're, if you're not aware of All Hallows Eve, then I think you don't think he's supernatural at all. Okay, so I agree with you on that. I didn't know he was even in that. I've heard of it before, but I didn't know that was like the first look that we saw of him. So it's interesting. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that because I have heard of it. Um, so yes, until the last scene of the film, I did not consider Art supernatural because we saw him get hit and he fell down. He reacted to the punches, um, the punches and hits from Tara and also that maintenance guy. Um, but of course, at the end, when the cops get there, we see him shoot himself. But then he's totally fine and smiling when the coroner unzips the body bag. So obviously, you have to assume that he is 100% um, supernatural. So, and I was actually thinking about that because I read through your questions before I watched uh, the second half of the film. And I didn't think that he was. But of course, I know that there have been some stirrings of a sequel. I thought I looked it up and they said that they had it already. But I, I don't know. The internet, you know, can sometimes tell a lie. I, I believe a sequel is currently in post-production. So mm-hmm. I think they filmed it and they're just currently editing yeah. it and post-production it. I don't know where it is in terms of obviously with everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. And how, how that's affected it. But there is definitely um, a movie been shot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't, um, I, I really was thinking about it the whole time I was watching it and I was like, well, he's not like, and he's not this like super strong brawny guy. He's just, I mean, the actor himself is not that, you know, he's tall of course, but he's not, you know, he's not like a, a Friday the 13th Jason or like a Michael Myers or anything. He's more of like the Freddy Krueger, but Freddy Krueger obviously is supernatural because he's in your dreams. But this, it was different because it was like, is he supernatural? Is he not? Um, but then, of course, at the end, um, when the coroner unzips the, the body bag, we see him just ready to go. <laughs> um, so the next question that you have is, is Art the Clown an underrated um, horror villain? So I can go first or you can go first. Uh, you can go first as well if you like. Okay, cool. So um, I think right now he is underrated um, because we rarely see him with, you know, the tycoon greats of like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger. But over time, I really, really feel like people outside of the horror community will really start to recognize him as this, you know, I, I wouldn't say that he's ever going to be... Um, completely like at the same level as them but for the time being I really feel like he is underrated not in the horror community though a lot of people in the horror community love Art the Clown but I really feel like outside of the horror horror community people are like terrifier I've never even heard of that even if you show them a picture of who Art the Clown is they'll be like I don't know who that is I've never even seen it so I think currently at the moment he is underrated give it maybe like 15 years and then (laughs) maybe because i feel like a lot of the times when these horror films come out like michael myers like they never do well in the box office um you've never seen a horror film maybe besides like a psychological horror film like hereditary or midsummer or like you know shutter island those are the ones that get like the top views besides like the exorcist in the 70s um but other than that like they never get great numbers at the box office you never really you never really like see them get nominated for things. So I really feel give it maybe like 15 years and everybody's going to know who Art the Clown is. I really, it's, you know, I really feel that way. So what is your answer? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, um, especially when it comes to the, the whole sort of 
horror movies being underappreciated in general and what I sort of liken this to maybe not quite as highly but I kind of liken this to Hellraiser so when Hellraiser yeah. first came out it was critically panned the critics really sort of just did not like this movie they told people actively not to go and see it and obviously now Hellraiser and Pinhead especially is, is these iconic character and it's a totally iconic movie um, so I don't think this is ever going to reach like, sort of those heights um, Personally, for me, like of the moment, this is one of my favourite horror movies. So mm. I, I think he's underrated. I think you're right as well. I think the horror community has recognised him as a potential sort of tier because there is these different tiers, like you were speaking about, of horror villains. You know, and you've got that top tier where you've got obviously Michael Myers, you've got Freddy Krueger, Leatherface, Jason, mm-hmm. and then you know you maybe go down to the next tier and you've got say like Ghostface. Yeah, I was just gonna say Ghostface. And- Mm-hmm. and Pinhead and some others as well and you go down those tiers so I think he definitely has sort of the potential to rise up those tiers and obviously yeah. as you know a sequel comes out or if there's any more sequels after that obviously hopefully or hopefully his notoriety will only go up yeah um, yeah yeah I agree I think I think he is I think a lot of people really love this film in the horror community and um, I remember when it first came out, everybody on Twitter was talking about it and like everybody was, he was like the big name because um, this is essentially, I want to say like a B-horror film because it's a low budget film. Um, there's not really anybody recognizable within the film um, that have done, you know, bigger films. So I think we will see in time that he will gain more popularity. I think, like I said, it's going to be a little bit down the road until the public can actually be like, oh, I heard about that movie. The movie's crazy kind of thing. Um, so I have to agree with you on that. Um, so the next question you asked is, is he capable of speaking or is this through choice? So I can go first or you can go first. Uh, I, I, we'll take it in turns. I can go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, personally, I think he is incapable of speech throughout this movie. I don't know if this is maybe part of his sort of supernatural abilities that he just doesn't talk or if, you know, it's like... The Michael Myers thing, where Michael Myers, we don't know if he is now capable of talking or not. We, we assume that as a child he was able to, but we're never told. Uh, so, Art the Clown is obviously sort of like a mind clown. Uh, so, I don't know if because he is a supernatural being and has came as in the form of a mind clown, I don't think he has capabilities of speaking uh, or making any sort of noise. That's so funny. I literally said the same thing in my notes. See, I think he can talk, but I think that um, he's choosing not to because he's staying in his character. Um, The costume he has on reminds me, of course, a clown, but also a mime, and a mime doesn't talk. So he's kind of mixing the characteristics of a clown with the playful horns and the really funny bike scene, and he's hopping around and dancing, but he's also using his entire being to like articulate the mime side with the movements and the funny facial expressions. So I think he can talk, but I think he is not talking because that's part of who his character is. Maybe he's never even tried to talk before. Maybe he just, uh, (laughs) I don't even really know. Cause there is that one scene right at the end when he's holding the homeless lady's baby and he puts his finger up to his mouth and he says, shh, but I don't, I think it was just an added effect after, but it made it sound like he was saying shh. So I was like, oh, maybe he can talk. Um, But I think that was the decision of the writer and director and, you know, everybody that was working on this film to sort of be like, we got to keep him guessing. Like, can he talk? Can he not talk? And um, I thought that was really interesting because I said the mime thing too. He's a mix of a clown and a mime. Mimes don't talk. They they articulate what they're trying to do through their movements. And um, <laughs> after you finish the questions, I just want to talk about Art the Clown by itself. Um, so Sorry. the... <laughs> I know. So the next the next question um, you have for me is: um, Does this movie prove that low budget horror films with little to no CGI can make as big an impact on the horror horror world than a higher budget movie might make? Um, so I'm gonna say yes. This film, in my opinion, is very simple. It's Halloween night. The entire movie is basically a cat and mouse game. 
Um, they didn't have too many settings. It was mostly in that rat infested old building. And it was just the victims dodging and hiding from art. And it didn't really need any of that extra fluff. Like it didn't need the whole backstory of every single person. They just happened to be there at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, I think what really intrigued me about this film is I didn't get bored. And I get bored when I don't understand like why this is happening or who these people are. But when I watched this film, at least for me, I didn't I didn't care about the backstory of the characters. I was just like, I want to see Art the Clown. I want to see what he does to the next person, how he kills the next person. But the thing is, those those gory scenes didn't take away from the story because it really wasn't much of a story and that's not a bad thing. I think that the writer and director, he kept it very simple. He was just like, here's these two girls and they're drunk so they want to go get some pizza they find this clown you know this clown comes in and then they you know then they get a flat tire so then they gotta wait for the sister and then this one has to pee and then it's like just the whole rest of the movie was just like this cat and mouse game and i just thought it was so interesting and like i said i didn't get bored and i didn't care that i didn't know who these people were or where they were or what they were doing so i really do think that if you have a solid enough idea a solid enough plot with with you know semi-good acting of course like there it's not the best acting in the world but i think it was good for what it was then you can achieve success i mean look at it in the horror community everybody loves this movie i can't like there have been so many people that have asked me to do this film. And so that just shows you right there that you don't need all these crazy special effects and all these, you know, crazy, huge production things to make a statement within the horror community. So that's my answer. <laughs> uh, I, I agree that this movie is definitely proof that this sort of budgeted movie, there is virtually no special effects uh sorry computer effects mm. in this movie the only one that i'm actually aware of is the scene in the pizza uh the pizza place where his head has been turned into the jack-o-lantern that was done in post-production aside from that i don't believe there is any other real big parts of cgi in this film everything else you see is practical effects mm -hmm. yeah uh so i think onto your point about not getting bored during a movie you're right this movie has little to no plot at all. Mm -hmm. Aside from that first maybe <laughs> ten to twenty minutes, where, like you say, they're setting up how these people, you know, meet Art the Clown. The rest of the movie, there is little to no plot, and it's just a case of we're watching to see if any of these people can survive Art the Clown. Mm -hmm. But I think the visuals in this movie really are so striking. Not just you know of the death scenes, but of the visuals of Art the Clown himself. The, the facial expressions he manages to pull, the mannerisms, you know, he's, he's actually quite funny to watch as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, despite the fact that this is a very grim movie, uh, it made me laugh at several times as well. Yeah. So it definitely, I think, keeps your interest really, really well. And it definitely proves, like you say, you know, horror fans in general, from what I've seen, really, really enjoyed this movie, loved this movie. You know, it's obviously done well enough that it's getting a sequel. So it definitely proves that a movie with a budget as low as this can have a really big impact on horror and the wider community. Yeah, and I think that's something that's really important because as um, these films, I mean, you, it's crazy the the budgets on some of these on some of these other films, not horror films, but like some of these other films get like nine hundred million dollar budgets, and the movies suck. You know what I mean? And and this this movie didn't have that big of a budget, and it does give you a hope for the horror community that there are people out there who do know how to captivate an audience without having to spend nine hundred million dollars. I forget what movie that was that I was I was watching something, and it was like oh this film. Took 900 million dollars to make and i was like what like i mean granted the people that were in it were probably i'm pretty sure they were like you know the like a-list celebrities so that's probably like all of their budget right there is paying those people to do that um 
But I think that this does give hope to people out there who are, who want to create horror films and, you know, and like we've discussed and discussed many times in the past is that horror is kind of just like not really taken seriously. Um, So they're not going to give huge companies a ton, you know, these huge companies are not going to give these writers and directors a shit ton of money to like, you know, um, to go out there and spend all this kind of money on it. They'll give them like a set budget and be like, just do what you can with it. And then unfortunately you have like the, if they create something, then they have to go back and redo it because the production company doesn't like this because it's gory or whatever the thing that first film that comes to mind is scream Wes Craven he had to reshoot Casey Becker's death so many times because the production company just didn't like it they said it was too gory they said all these things so um I think that this does give hope to people who want to create smaller budget horror films but also are able to get the recognition like I said within the horror community now of course but hopefully in you know several years to somebody else um so that other people know who he is. Um, so the next question you have for me is, Art the Clown or Pennywise? <laughs> so I think it's your turn. <laughs> I think it's my turn. Yeah, I, I just want to put this question to you because obviously in terms of horror clowns, Pennywise is at the top of the tree. He's the one that everyone knows. Mm. He's the one obviously with the the it movies coming out over the last few years he is the big famous one and for me uh, it's art the clown over pennywise um i love the original it miniseries i love tim cummings uh, portrayal of mm. pennywise i love bill skarsgård's portrayal of pennywise as well um i'm not a huge fan of the, re- the the newer movies i like the first one more than i like the second one uh, but i still think the first one is a bit middle of the road. So for me, it's Art the Clown every day or Pennywise. Interesting. Okay, so I'm going to have to disagree with you. But that's just because Stephen King has been in my world for so long. I mean, I read the books. I've seen the movies. I've seen... I literally went to Colorado so that I could go see where his room was when he wrote The Shining. Um, so Stephen King and, and his creations, um, have just been very, very special to me over the years. Um, my dad and I bonded over Stephen King and then, um, when my sister was born, my sister and I loved, um, everything Stephen King. Um, so I'd have to say Pennywise. I think, yes, they are both clowns and, but they are two entirely different things. Pennywise is a representation of the childhood fears of the characters in the book and how they grew and how they conquered their fears and how they sort of came together at the end. Art the Clown, he is a psycho killer dressed as a clown. I'm not saying this anything negative against that because I loved the film a lot, but Pennywise wins because of the connection that I've made with Pennywise for many, many, many years, from reading the books to seeing the films just to having you know that quality time with my family um but like i said pennywise or art the clown he is an amazing character one of my favorite characters that i've seen in a horror film because he's just so theatrical but because i have this connection with stephen king and with it um i would have to say pennywise but art the clown is pretty pretty close because i feel like they both have the characteristics of a clown. Um, I think they both do it really well because even Pennywise has moments when he's funny in the film. And um, But I think that Art the Clown executes the clown um, persona a little bit better than Pennywise. Like I said, Pennywise, yes, he kills people or he kills and eats kids. But for the most part, he is just basically a representation of the fear that they've had and how you outgrow your fears and face your fears. So, and Stephen King, he is very detailed in everything that he does. So it's not kind of just black and white. It's very gray. It's like, it's, it's, you have to like read between every single line in his thousand page books to really grasp what's going on. And I think, um, like I said, just the connection that I have with Pennywise is a reason why I choose it. But Art the Clown is very, very close because <laughs> he <laughs> he he won me over definitely by the end. I think my favorite scene <laughs> with Art the Clown is when Tara she goes. Um, 
So she's like, or maybe it's not Tara, maybe it's the sister. It's Tara's sister. Um, she is almost free. I think she hears the cops coming and she she opens the doors that has a lock on it and she's able to slide out in between them, but Arthur Klein get, can't get through it. So he just honks the horn at her. <laughs> I think that was one of my favorite scenes. And then right after that, or right before that, when he finds the bike and is just enamored by this bike. Um, but my favorite scene for sure was the one with um when he's just honking the horn in her face like it's so funny because like as when we finish up the questions we'll get in some more of art the clown because i think his character even though he doesn't say anything and even though we don't know a backstory there's definitely some inclinations that i think that he he is supernatural but in a way i feel like he was human first and then he was supernatural i haven't seen the the anthology film you mentioned so i i'm not familiar with it but i have a theory on like what happened so let's get to the next one um so the last question that you have for me is is this movie just out to shock um so i think that there are some scenes that are out there for shock but like it they, they aren't overdone and i know that's crazy for me to say that considering the first kill is that girl who literally gets sliced in half but the thing is like they fit with the vibe of the movie the vibe of art the clown i loved seeing the first kill even though it was super messed up um i was definitely cringing for sure and i did that like nervous laugh and i was just like wait what is this really happening like there actually gonna show this um but i really like i said i really enjoyed the simplicity of the story it didn't overshadow anything we were introduced to the psycho clown killer whose only motive that we know of is just to kill these people um and like i said most films i want to know like the backstories but i didn't really care for this i didn't really care to know their backstory i just wanted to see what art the clown would do to them and i can't say that i watched a film like that in a long time um i appreciate the kills and i think that you know, um, Damien Leon, who was the writer and director, I think he did such a great job. Um, I love the characters. And I also love characters who can act without saying anything. And I remember when I first started my podcast, I would talk about how actors would, under masks, how they would um how they would act and you wouldn't even need they wouldn't even need to say anything obviously the iconic michael myers head tilt when he stabs the the boyfriends and he kind of does like the little head tilt and looks up at him kind of just like admiring his work um it's been in a lot of other films like the strangers we've seen it in there until of course the end when the one girl does talk but for the most part i have always enjoyed actors who can act without saying a word especially if they're in makeup if they have a mask on um so the actor who played uh art the clown david um david howard thornton i think that he just did an amazing job just his facial expressions as you were saying ian and just the way that he was able to really hold your attention and anytime that art the clown got on the screen i like got excited because i was like is he gonna kill somebody is he gonna make a funny clown thing um so i was i really did like that so that's my answer for is this movie just out to shock uh, yeah, so I think there is certain elements of this movie that is purely out to shock us. Um, so Damien Leon, as you were saying, uh, is obviously the writer and director of this film, but he directed All Hallows Eve, he's directing and writing Terrifier 2, so he is the creator of this entire sort of mini-franchise that they've got going on. And so he obviously knows what he has here in a character. He knows he has a captivating character, he has a character that looks amazing, and I think this film is almost a bit like saying to the audience, I'm going to show you what I can make this character do. I'm going to show you all the terrible things I can make this character do. And like you were saying, especially with that first death, uh, where he does saw um, Tara's friend in half. It's so grisly. It's so grim. It's absolutely shocking. Because up until that point, barring a couple of little scenes, we haven't really seen anything that had been overly shocking or... Nothing that we haven't really seen in a horror movie before, and then suddenly, this woman's getting sawed in half, and we're getting to see it. And it, the, with the movie having such a low budget, and the effects of this kill are really, really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it just is just super shocking. And it's like you were saying as well. You know, an actor who can act without speaking is a super valuable thing. So. Uh, David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, and this is the first time he had played Art the Clown in the previous movie. It was someone else. It was Mike Giannale. Um, so this is the first time. And 
it's a lot better in this movie. Yeah. He is so much better visually. And I think an actor who has the ability to do that is always going to captivate the audience. Because if you can captivate the audience without saying a word, then I think you've got a good actor on your hands there. Because it's so difficult to keep people interested, you know. Mm. I I just really loved his acting in it so much. I really appreciated him and his facial expressions and the way that he moved. I mean, the only part that was a little freaky to me was um, at the end with the homeless woman and he comes out and he's like wearing her hair and like her boobs and stuff. Like that was a little weird. But at the same time, I was like, okay, like he's a clown. So I just kept thinking of like, I, I kept thinking of, okay, how would a clown act at, like, a birthday party? And obviously a clown would not scalp somebody, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, how, okay, so another, like, a clown would show up to a birthday party, and then maybe he would put on, like, a really funny hat, and then maybe he would put on, like, a different costume, then he would come out and start dancing and everybody. So that's what I kind of think was happening. So my theory of Art the Clown is I feel... And this could be a complete, this, this is just me thinking, because I always like to think of backstories for characters, is I feel like he was a clown in, like, the 1920s or something, and he was also, but they didn't have, like, sound in the movies and I feel like somebody something happened to him he was murdered or like he was actually murdering people and then they found out that he was a murderer so then they killed him and now he's back as this like crazy supernatural character who's just pretty much out for revenge on anybody that comes his way and because so what I feel like is like his his public face was him um you know being this really famous clown Everybody loved him. Um, like, he would put on, like, shows. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Pennywise, um, just because that's what happened with Pennywise, um, at least with, you know, the father and the circus and everything. But then I feel like he was also, like, committing heinous murders. <laughs> and then, like, the townspeople found out that he was the one who was, like, killing all these people. And then they, like, did, like, a public hanging or something. But then he, like, came back. And now he just has this revenge, but he also has a superpower, but he still loves being a clown. So that's why we have these little indications of him just always being at the end of the day, this clown. Cause even when they, un even when the coroner unzips the body bag, he's just smiling. Like he's like, he's a clown. Like he's ready to put on a show. Um, and then obviously he kills. Honestly, I thought the core, I wish the core, I was a little let down by the coroner scene. Cause all I did was strangle him. And I know that sounds crazy. Cause it's like, he's still killing him, but I kind of wanted something like he was in a coroner's office. I feel like he could have found like a really crazy weapon or something and like done something like insane. But I feel like by the end of that, maybe everybody was just like, all right, just have him strangle him, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> but that's like my theory behind the whole thing. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of the movie as well is because there is no there is little little plot in the movie. You it is really up to you can you can attach your own backstory to Art the Clown if you wish. Like like I was saying, obviously he's been in a movie previous, but that has no bearing on this film. So you really can attach any sort of backstory that you want. I like to think that um, much like yourself that he was a clown and that perhaps he was either, you know, trying to come up with new things for a potential act, you know, or was maybe a dark, sadistic clown and maybe became supernatural through some sort of seance ah, or some sort of yeah. something along those lines that has forced him into being this sort of supernatural killing clown. Okay. So do you think that Terrifier 2 is going to be the same as the first one? Or do you think the, the director is going to kind of go into more of the backstory like what do you think like what do you think he's gonna try and do uh well they, they've kept they've, they've done a pretty good job in keeping all the sort of plot lines under wraps mm. so there is really not a lot known about the the second film i think it's i think it's probably going to be a lot of the same, obviously, updated with new characters and new actors. I hope that they do get into a little bit of the background. Um, I have a feeling that they're going to try and extend this over the course of more than just the next movie and potentially have further down the line. So I think what they're going to do is potentially have a little bit of backstory and just reveal a little more each time. Yeah. 
Um, I would like to see, obviously, a little bit more, but I think they have to be careful because I think sometimes it can get too deep into the backstory. It can sometimes take away from what made the character so good in the first place. Yeah, I feel like there's maybe, and I, like you said, it's it's already in post-production, so it's already been done, but since we don't have any details about it, I feel like if they went too much into the backstory of, like, the other characters, that people who are watching it, like, in the horror community, they're going to be like, oh, well, this is supposed to be, like, the kind of like the first one. Like, I want to see him kill people, which I'm sure that they have done, but they do have to be careful when it comes to that stuff because if they get too much into the storytelling thing, that might bore the audience a little bit. Um, um, another thing, too, that I have, that I was kind of confused on was the sister at the end. Um, she, her face was completely, completely disfigured. Um... And that was just from the car crash, right? He didn't really ever get his hands on her besides, like, whipping her with a chain. No, no, it's actually, he was actually eating her face. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Because I remember the guy, the paramedic or whoever was like, oh, yeah, he was eating her face. Okay, that's right. I forgot that detail. Okay. That makes more sense. So um, I actually really liked the opening scene too with like the really arrogant reporter and her just kind of like being obviously just getting her revenge on that. So that part kind of a little bit threw me off because I was like, wait, like why is this chick killing this reporter? But I assume it was just because she wanted revenge. But then it's like did a little bit of Terrifier or did a little bit of Art the Clown like get into her soul or something? Like... Because that part was a little confusing for me because I was wondering, I was like, wait, isn't this supposed to be a clown? Like, why is this random person killing a reporter? So. Yeah, no, definitely. And when you know, that first scene is up, I was, I was exactly the same when I first saw this movie. I saw that opening scene and um, on the box art, because uh, I, have, I have this on, uh, on Blu-ray, on the box art, it's just a big uh, art of the clown. So this opening scene happens and like you say, you know, she's really disfigured and this happens and you are left there sort of wondering, you know, what's going on here? This isn't the killer that we are expecting for the movie. But to be honest with you, as the rest of the movie went on, I kind of just forgot about that opening scene. Same. Um, I was I was too much interested in what was going on with, with uh, I almost said Pennywise there, with, <laughs> Arthur, <laughs> and, uh, uh, with Arthur Clown, that it, it really just sort of threw me away from that opening scene. So when it came back to that at the very end, I found it to be quite a good twist mm-hmm. and quite a nice surprise. And it just sort of tied everything up quite nicely for me. Yeah, it was funny. The whole time I was watching the film, I was trying to like look at the the girl's hair to try and see who the one was in the beginning because I knew that whoever, because, you know, in the beginning it said this is the only survivor of Arthur Clown that we have so far, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was like, okay, can't be her because she's blonde. It might be her. But then, oh, and another thing too, which kind of threw me off a little bit, which I wasn't sure if I liked or not, was that Terrifier or that... Arthur Clown had a gun and I was like I don't know if I like that that kind of throws it off a little bit because I feel like guns are for like the the victims and like the cops and I feel like the killers in the films never really have a gun they have like a knife a machete a razor you know whatever so that I I that kind of took me out of it a little bit because I was like I don't really I wish that he would have just like cut her head off or something like with whatever thing that he had um so that I was a little thrown off by that uh that is that seems to be quite the sort of overall opinion about are the clown having the gun personally I quite like the fact that he uses a gun he doesn't use it obviously throughout the entire movie but for me it tells me that all bets are off with art the clown like if he if you even have like an inkling that you are getting one up on him with the way that he is trying to kill you he is not afraid to whip a gun out of his sock and just end you right there and then there is nothing held back with Arthur Clown and I really that's what I really like about it okay. but I do get why some people feel the way that you know I think some people feel that it's maybe a bit cheap that he uses a gun it's a little bit. a bit of a cop out a little bit um, but you- for me it tells me that you know, all bets are You know what would have been more funny is if if they had him have the gun, but you know how like sometimes when you have those really funny guns and like the little flag comes out and it says bang, <laughs> but then have him like pull it again and then have it actually be a real gun. I feel like that would have been cooler because like 
if I don't remember if clowns ever did it, but definitely that sort of like funny, like here, I'm going to show you with a gun and then have the, have Tara be like, Oh my God. And then it have it just be like, ha, ah, just comes out like bang. But then actually like really shoot her. I think that would have maybe been a little bit cooler. I feel like I would have accepted the gun more because it would have been like, okay, that's like part of his like whole thing. Cause like when you put on shows as a clown, that could be part of your act that everybody thinks you have a gun, but it's not, it's actually fake. Um, so I feel like maybe that would have been a little bit cooler. Um, but yes, I do agree with the whole, like all bets are off. Like if, if you get away from him, he's going to shoot you in the leg. Um, but I did like, I did really enjoy Tara's character and I wish the, that honestly I wish that she had survived because I feel like she'd be a really cool final girl because she did fight back the whole time like she got so many hits on him and then and then she was just shot in the head she kind of reminded me a little bit of like Sydney Prescott like even the way that she looked a little bit so I was really rooting for her to survive and then obviously the sister comes um which threw me off too um, the, the sister was the one who actually did survive. Um, but then again, it's like, it always kept you guessing. I really thought that Tara was going to survive. I knew that the blonde girl wasn't because for obvious reasons. Um, but I did. So there was actually a pizza place in, um, New Jersey, which is like not that far from me. And it looks exactly like the, pizza place that's in um terrifier so i thought that was always really funny just that like very like very plastic looking seats and everything i feel like everywhere in america you would find a pizza place like that so it was funny and i had just gotten back from colorado and <laughs> my friends and i went to go get pizza and i was like oh my god this reminds me of the pizza place that's in terrifier um so I did really like the film. And you know, when I was on the plane back from Colorado, um, this was like back when it was like super popular. And I was like, and I think it might've been on Netflix. I could be wrong though. I feel like I downloaded it from either Netflix or from Hulu or from Amazon Prime or something. And I watched it on the plane and I remember watching it and I was just like, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. And then of course it got to the one scene and I was like, okay, I can't watch this on the plane right now. <laughs> These people around me are gonna think I'm psycho. Um, but then when I watched it yesterday and I watched it from beginning until end, um, I was like, wow, that's actually, I really, really enjoyed that film a lot. And, um, I'm usually not the biggest fan of B horror because sometimes it's almost a little bit too cheesy for me and I can't, it like the acting and everything distracts me. But I think the dynamic between Tara and Art the Clown in the beginning is so good because she picked up on it like right away. And then she even like made a joke to make herself feel better. And it still was just like, you know, it still, it wasn't, you know, shocking or surprising that Art the Clown was actually the one who likes, you know, slashed their tires. Um, but I, I enjoyed the cheesiness of like the blonde actress. I enjoyed that she was like a bimbo and usually I don't. So I was impressed. Yeah, I think this movie plays on, you know, sort of standard horror tropes really, really well. Um, what really impressed me about this movie is, um, obviously aside from the sawing her in half scene, is just really the simplicity of it all, yeah. you know. Um, Art the Cloud just, to to kidnap the blonde girl literally just opens the door and gets in the car there's no big elaborate mm. sort of him trying to capture her scene he literally just gets in and that's it and the scenes with him in it are just for me they're really really scary i'm not afraid of clowns mm. so you know going into this i'm not afraid but i can see why this would make people afraid of clowns when she turns around and sees him in the car and he's just got that big toothy grin mm. on his face it's terrifying and then the same in the pizza place as well yeah. And again, that's something like you were saying that is really, really relatable. You know, we obviously have places like that over here as well. Uh, we've all, I'm sure we've all been after a night on the town at a yeah. pizza place or at somewhere where we're getting food and there's been somebody there who's acting weird or yes. creepy, you know, and yes. it's happened to us all. Mm -hmm. So it's something that's really, really, really relatable. And again, it's further down the film when the, the pest control guy as well, when he gets um, attacked for the first time, you know, you see Art the Crown just creeping up behind him on mm. the stairs, and it's just insane, he just moves in silence, and I really, really like the simplicity of it all. Um, I don't think it was available on Netflix over here. Um, obviously, UK Netflix is slightly different to US Netflix. We don't get as much good stuff as you guys oh my get. God, um, I did watch it on one of our streaming services, uh, but it's no longer on. It didn't get a wide release over here. 
uh, at all, really. If it did get a, a theatre release, it was in very limited screens. Um, certainly none of the ones around where I'm from that I'm aware of really had it featured uh, very heavily. So it would really be when it was on a streaming service. It definitely was on one of our streaming services here. I think it was Now TV. It's not on there anymore. And that's how I first first was introduced to the movie. Um, so I think going back to what you were saying as well about its impact on the, the horror culture, I think it's done a really good job considering how little a release this movie actually had. Mm-hmm. Um, but also as well, when you were linking us to uh, Sydney Prescott as well, I think that's a really, really good sort of uh, comparison to the movie Scream, because obviously in that opening scene in Scream, you've got Drew Barrymore, who is front and centre of all their sort of posters and promotional people think that she was the main character going into that movie. Yes. And obviously, in the opening scene of that movie, she dies. Yep. And, you know, again, much like this one, it's saying that like, all bets are off, anyone can anyone can die. And here, you, you obviously think that Tara is going to be, yeah. you know, your final girl. Yep. And she definitely acts like the final girl mm-hmm. throughout this movie. She gets the hits in, you know, her sister comes in. And for me, she doesn't really have the same sort of menace almost towards yeah. Art the Clown. She's just trying to escape, whereas Tara, you know, he, she wants to make him suffer, you know, that scene just before she finally dies, she's attacking him, you know, she's telling him to, you know, get up so she can attack him mm. some more. So I think that's a really good comparison between the two. Yeah. Um I really wanted her to survive. I did. I thought she was such a badass and when he just shot her in the head, I was like, no. <laughs> Um, I did like his little setups that he did, um, like how, and that, that, that whole circus thing, like when he ties her up with the lights and puts the circus thing in front of her, which really made me be like, okay, so like he was a clown in his previous human life and then something happened for him to become this supernatural being. And another thing is sometimes I don't want them to explain it because I think it's better for us not to know exactly what happens. And I'm the kind of person that always wants to know like what's going to happen. Who's this person? What's going to happen when they're done? What's going to, you know? But for this one, I feel like it might be better to just always keep him a mystery. Um, maybe in the second one, they'll take like a Saw 2 kind of approach where it's like the there's like a detective or something who is like investigating the murders or something like that. Um, but that just might be a little bit too cliche. And I don't think that the director is into cliches because there's nothing about this film that's cliche whatsoever um which is why I think that a lot of people especially horror fans really enjoyed this movie because it was pretty much just what's art what is art the clown gonna do next and who is he gonna get next and um you don't really care too much about the characters besides me because I wanted Tara to survive because I thought she was a badass and I really really liked her um but I think, I think that's why this film is so, why a lot of people enjoy this film is because, like you said, all bets are off. He can do whatever he wants and he's probably going to win. Um, because if you think about it, there's how many characters? There's the blonde girl, there's Tara, um, the sister, um, the maintenance guy, and then the other maintenance guy. Um, then we have the two cops, the coroner, and, and Arthur Clown is just like, he just kills them all. So I'm interested to see, um, what Terrifier 2 is able to do and see what the writer and director does, um, with the sequel. I feel like it's going to be good. I feel like he's not going to get too caught up because I feel like he just created something that he wanted to create. And I feel like he was very like, and I haven't done any research on it. I'm just, this is how I view it. He's kind of just like, well, I want to make this film. And if it does well, great. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. So I feel like he, I feel like he's going to just kind of do whatever he wants in the second one and sort of ignore everything else that we see in sequels. Um, But I'm hoping to see maybe a little bit more backstory. So the thing that I found kind of weird, but also interesting is Arthur Clown definitely does have some mommy issues. (laughs) Because if you remember the scene when he's holding on to the homeless lady's baby, and then you have that sort of strange scene between him and the homeless lady, and she's like, you just need love. And he's like sucking on his thumb. I was like, hmm. So the what like so he's got some kind of some issues going on and something about the the doll made triggered something in him 
Um, which maybe could add more to the backstory because I feel like you wouldn't just add in that just for it to be oh, like so, there. Um, I read that as uh, Art the Clown uh, ran away to the circus as a child. So he maybe came from an abusive household, maybe he had a younger sibling who he left behind yeah. to get away from either an abusive mother or an abusive father or... You know, maybe his mother died when he was a child and he was left with this abusive father and ran away to the circus. So I, that's what I read that in. So I do think that is kind of letting you into a little glimpse of any a potential backstory there. So it does give you little hints if you're, if you're paying attention mm-hmm. to pick up one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that scene definitely was... And, and you could tell that he took a liking to Tara because when... <laughs> When the blonde chick went and sat on his lap, he was not having it. Like, he was not happy with that whole thing. And um, you, like, you could just tell that he was annoyed. So I wasn't surprised when her kill was super brutal because he, he she obviously pissed him off. Um, but she also didn't think that he was, you know, she that he could have been something scary. Like, Tara picked up on it right away. And I really, I really liked the pizza guys. They were really funny. <laughs> <laughs> they were cracking me up because if you were paying attention, he, the owner of the pizzeria is on the phone with his mistress and he's like, oh, what do you, what's your Halloween costume look like? And then he's like, oh, hold on. And then he's, and then he like gets on the phone with his wife or something and is like, what do you want? I'll be home late. And I was just like, that's so funny because you don't, you don't pick up on it unless you're really paying attention. So I thought that was really funny. Um, I really enjoyed the dynamic of those two. Um, even though they were in such a short little scene, but they're just like those iconic, just Italian guys who own a pizzeria. Um, <laughs> I did feel really sorry for the other pizza guy who had to clean up the toilet just before he just got killed. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a pleasant one at all. <laughs> no, that's so true. But I really liked the, I really liked them a lot. I thought they were funny. Um, and they added just a little bit of more element to the film, even though, I don't know. I don't know if there was something about them that I found was so funny. And then he's like, I better be getting paid overtime for this. It was just so funny. It was hilarious. And then the whole jack-o'-lantern as a face reminded me of Halloween 2018 when they made the sheriff's head or the one of the cops head into the jack-o'-lantern. So that definitely reminded me a little bit of Halloween, but I thought it was cool. Um, at least Halloween 2018 when they did that. Um, so yes, I really, really enjoyed the film. Also, what do you think was in that trash bag? Did they ever say? Uh, so, um, we, we, we kind of think that it's just various, uh, weapons of, of torture and various things. We do see a scene where he runs out of bullets before he can kill Tara. So he goes back to his trash bag to get some more bullets for his gun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's just a variety of things that, that he can, you can generally pick up from home. You know, you can find most of these things in your shed. You know, he has yeah. a hacksaw, he has knives, he has various things. So I think it's just various weapons of destruction. <laughs> so funny. No, I really did like it. And I am, I am happy that you chose this film because when you told me you wanted to do this one, I was like, oh, I haven't seen that one yet. And like, I remember watching and being like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But then I, like I said, I watched it from beginning to end and I was like, this is actually a really good movie. And like I said, it's just like what you said too. The fact that it is so simple and that it's basically just a cat and mouse the whole thing and the entire time we just are wondering, all right, well then who's going to survive? Because obviously he's killing everybody. Um, but yeah, so what was your favorite kill of Art the Clowns? Uh, I, I don't think so, very surprised that, uh, the blonde friend is my favorite yeah. kill. It's by far the most shocking in the yeah, entire movie. I'd have to agree with that one. I, when he pulled back the curtains and I was like, oh my God. Cause I think that's when I stopped the movie on the plane. <laughs> Cause I was like, oh, okay. I need to stop watching this right now. Um, I think, um, I think I have to agree with that because then when it got to that scene again, I was like, I wonder what he's going to do. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then it's just like the whole they I cannot believe that they showed the entire sequence of him going down just her entire body. And then you get a close up shot when Tara's leaving. And I'm like, oh my God god just like real cringy but at the same time i was like that was actually really cool so and i don't really watch a lot of films that like i really love like the torture porn like i love hostile i love saw 
but I draw a line when it comes to like everybody, everybody on YouTube and everybody keeps telling me to watch Martyrs. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to watch that film because I, I don't want to see that. Um, and I never will watch it because it's just not something that I would ever watch because I feel like it would just totally, completely um, just traumatize me. Um, so I tend to shy away from films like that. But for the most part, I'm really into scenes like that. Um so yeah, I was a little taken aback. But at the same time, I was like, actually, that's actually kind of cool. Like the way that they did that. And to have that be the first kill besides like, obviously, the reporter in the beginning. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really cool. So I really like so thanks so much for choosing that film. I probably wouldn't have watched it if you didn't tell me to watch it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So I think I asked you all my questions that I had. Is there anything you wanted to add before we kind of do your, um, you can plug in all your socials. Can you think of anything you wanted to add to the film? What you want my listeners to know about the film? <laughs> if they haven't um, watched it, go watch it. That they, that they should go and watch it. <laughs> I feel like a lot of my listeners, yeah. They should just go and watch this movie. It's, one of the, it's a really good movie. If you want to stick on a movie that doesn't require a lot of brain power, that you can just turn on, there's some good gore in there, there's some good kills, there's a good villain. And like you were saying as well, if you want to put a little bit more brain power in it, there are little things you can pick up mm. on, like the pizza guy, you know, on the phone to his mistress. So, and that. so good. Really in that so funny. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. This scene was so uh, good. Go yeah, so I feel like a lot of my listeners have watched it already and they've been trying to get me to watch it for a long time. So they're probably going to be very happy that Terrifier is the subject. Um, so I am very excited. Um, so, Ian, where can they find you on the socials? Uh, so we are on Twitter, uh, that's at Screams Behind. We're on Facebook, which is Behind the Screams Podcast, or facebook.com forward slash Screams Behind. We're on just went on to youtube so mm -hmm. some of our episodes are currently on to youtube we're probably going to be putting some more stuff up in there that's behind the screens podcast as well and um, they can email us at behind the screens podcast at gmail.com awesome and all of those will be in the show notes as well so don't worry you didn't have to write them down um everything will be linked down below ian i want to say thank you so much for being on horror nights and i hope you had fun <laughs> Uh, that was fun. Thank you very much for having All right. Me. Awesome. All right. You stay safe out there, Ian. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.